When Jerome Bridos was five years old, he developed an infatuation with women's shoes. The year was 1944 and the youngster was walking in a junkyard when he came across a pair of stilettos. He brought them home with him since he was intrigued, much to his mother's disappointment. Bridos tried to conceal the shoes, but she discovered them and burnt them. That day, something changed in Bridos and he'd never look at a pair of women's shoes in the same way. Despite his mother's clear displeasure, he began to steal shoes in secret in order to start his own collection. Bridos's fascination grew darker as he grew older, and by the late 1960s, Jerry had murdered four women and mutilated their corpses in horrific ways. This is the case of Jerry Bridos, the shoe fetish slayer. Well hello my fellow weirdos, I'm Dom and this is episode 7 of Horror House. So it's another true crime case for you guys today and this week it's all about Jerome Jerry Brudos, also known as the Shoe Fetish Slayer. So make a brew, get comfy and let's get this show on the road. Jerry Bridos was born in South Dakota on the 31st of January 1939 and was the second son of Henry and Eileen Bridos. His mother had wanted a daughter but instead got another son. Eileen's obvious disappointment soon turned into open hostility towards Jerry and would often subject him to both emotional and physical abuse. This wasn't the case for Jerry's brother Larry, however, whom she was warm and approving to. So again, it's the recurring theme of an early, the early life of a serial killer being unpleasant, you know, and it, it brings the, the debate nature versus nurture. Are serial killers born or are serial killers made, you know, due to factors such as home life, you know, such as external factors, you know, or was Joe Brudos, you know, always going to be a serial killer, regardless of the upbringing, because there are serial killers who come from very loving homes, you know, it's an interesting debate, this isn't the right podcast for that, but it's an interesting question. And I'll leave that to you guys, you know, to mull over. So at the age of five, Brudos developed a fetish for women's shoes after playing with the stilettos he found at a junkyard. When Eileen found Jerry wearing the shoes, she took them away and destroyed them, telling Jerry he was wicked for liking them. His mother's reaction triggered something in the young Jerry and he quickly developed an obsession with women's shoes to the point that he reportedly attempted to steal shoes from a first grade teacher. And also, when a teenage girl visited his home, he also tried to steal her shoes. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I might be wrong. Total guesswork. But I think he kind of liked women's shoes. That's the vibe I'm getting. I'm thinking he liked women's shoes. That's what I'm thinking. Eric Hickley wrote in Serial Murders and Their Victims, as he matured, his shoe fetish increasingly provided sexual arousal. 
As Brudos added to his shoe collection, he decided to branch out and he also started to pinch underwear. As stated by Peter Vronsky in his book Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters, these items were mysterious and forbidden totems, arousing in him deep erotic feelings that he could not understand or explain. Jerry spent most of his teens in and out of psychotherapy and psychiatric hospitals, and when he was 17, he would act on his violent desires for the very first time. So, before we go any further, I'd like to talk about Buzzsprout. If you enjoy podcasts as much as I do, you may have pondered making your own show, but figuring out where to begin can be quite daunting, and that's where Buzzsprout enters the picture. Buzzsprout is the quickest and the best way to start a professional podcast. Not only will Buzzsprout provide you with a beautiful podcast website, audio players that can be included in other websites, thorough stats and more, but your show will also be listed on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So if you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be able to create your own podcast and this also notifies Buzzsprout that I sent you. And if you sign up for a paid plan, you'll also receive a $20 Amazon gift card. And it also helps support my show. So, back to Jerry Brudos. During his teens, Brudos began to stalk and assault local women, knocking them down or choking them to the point of unconsciousness and then stealing their shoes. In 1956, at 17 years old, Brudos attacked a woman for the very first time, an assault he had planned well in advance for. He had dug a hole in a hillside, planning to keep women as sex slaves. He would then abduct and beat a teenage girl, forcing her to take nude photos for him and then threatening to stab her if he didn't go along with his demands. Following this, he was sent to the psychiatric ward of Oregon State Hospital for an evaluation. It was here that it was found that his hatred for his mum and women in general would drive his sexual fantasies. During this time at Oregon State Hospital, Brudos was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. However, despite this, Brudos went on to graduate from high school with his class in 1957, despite being institutionalised. In 1959, he would join the army, but he would soon be discharged that same year due to his bizarre obsessions. After this, he would work as an electrician. In 1961, when he was 22 years old, he would marry 17-year-old Darcy Metzler, and the couple would settle in Oregon and would later have two children, a daughter named Megan and a son named Jason. From the outside, Brudos appeared to be a rather typical person. He never drank nor smoked, and rarely, if ever, used profanity, according to friends and neighbours. He was the neighbour that you would go and have a beer with. You know, you'd you would invite him round for dinner, you would have barbecues. Jerry Brudos, world's best neighbour. Jerry's sexual desires, on the other hand, permeated his marriage. He would demand that Darcy do the housework in nothing but high heels while he snapped photos. He also began complaining of migraine headaches and blackouts around this time, 
and relied on nighttime rays to seal shoes and lace undergarments to alleviate his symptoms. Because if you got migraine headaches and you have blackouts, then stealing shoes is is just what the doctor ordered. That is that is the cure. Brudos kept the shoes, the underwear, and for a time the bodies of his victims in a garage that he would not allow his wife to enter without first announcing her arrival on an intercom that he had set up. I mean, at least he never drank, smoked, or swore, right? So we've now reached the part of the episode where I will be talking about the four confirmed murders that are attributed to Brudos. And just to give everyone listening a heads up, there are going to be some details in this section that are going to be highly unpleasant and it could be a trigger to some. The things that will be talked about will include rape, include abduction, include mutilation, necrophilia and bludgeoning. So just so everyone is aware, if you want to skip this part, then I totally understand because it gets it gets fucked up. So with that being said, let's talk about the four murders attributed to Jerry Brudos. So between 1968 and 1969, Brudos bludgeoned and strangled four young women and attempted to attack two more. On the 26th of January 1968, Linda Slauson, a 19-year-old encyclopedia saleswoman, knocked on Brudos's door. And while his mother and his children were there, Brudos enticed her to the basement, knocked her unconscious with a wooden plank and strangled her. He clothed her in a variety of stolen female undergarments and shoes, arranged her body in sexual poses, and then hacked off her left foot with a hacksaw, which he kept in a freezer and used to model his high heel shoe collection. The body was later dumped in the Williamette River by Jerry. On November the 26th, 1968, Jan Susan Whitney a 23-year-old motorist broke down on Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany, Oregon. Brudos volunteered to transport her to his house under the pretext of allowing her to call a tow truck. While she was still in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap and raped her post-mortem. After this, he also clothed, had sex with, and photographed the body as it was dangling from a pulley in his garage for several days. This time, Brudos chopped off one of her breasts and used a resin mould to make a paperweight out of it. After that, he attached the body to a piece of railroad iron and tossed it into the Williamette River along with Slauson's rotten foot. On March the 27th, 1969, 18-year-old Karen Sprinker was kidnapped at gunpoint from a parking lot outside a department shop. Brudos was disguised as a woman during the incident. He took her to his garage and forced her to put on his underwear collection and pose for photos while he raped her and strangled her by hanging her by the neck from a pulley system in his garage. On multiple occasions, Brudos also had sex with the body and chopped off her breasts to produce plastic moulds. He then used a nylon cord to tie the body to a six-cylinder vehicle engine and hurled it into the Williamette River. On the 23rd of April 1969, 22-year-old Linda Saley was kidnapped from a shopping mall parking lot. 
Bridos kidnapped her and took her to his garage where he raped, strangled and played with her body. He opted not to cut off her breasts because they were too pink. So, so fucking considerate, Jerry. And instead tried to make her body jump by applying an electrical charge to it, which failed. After that, he used a nylon cord to connect the body to a car transmission, which he chucked into the Williamette River. Also, if that wasn't messed up enough to make it extra messed up, he would also wear high heels and would masturbate after committing each murder. Linda Saley's body was discovered in the Long Tom River, weighed down by the car part she was tied to. The body of Karen Spinker was also discovered weighed down by the car engine she was tied to when her body was dumped while the police scoured the river searching for Linda Saley's body. The police began to investigate the crimes and after interviewing students at nearby Oregon State University, they began to hear stories about a Vietnam vet who had called a few young women looking for a date. One of the women told police that he had even mentioned the bodies in the river and had also made unsettling suggestions about how he could strangle her. The police asked the woman to call him back and arrange a second date, and when Brudos arrived to pick her up, the police were waiting for him instead. Jerry was quite conceited about his uh, photographic abilities. You know, even if he was photographing the dead bodies of the woman he murdered, he did consider himself an artist, naturally. So authorities obtained authorization to examine Jerry's residence when a lady who escaped Jerry's grasp picked him out of a police lineup. When police searched Jerry's residence, what they found was proof that indicated he was their man beyond a shadow of a doubt. There was nylon rope, there were photos of the murdered ladies, and there were the trophies that Brudos had kept from the four women he had killed. Later on, Brudos would confess to all four murders, two two attempted abductions, and several additional assaults. Brudos would later plead guilty to three first-degree murders, those of Sprinker, Whitney, and Saley, and was also sentenced to three consecutive terms of life in the Oregon State Penitentiary on the 28th of June, 1969. Brudos was not tried or convicted for Slauson's murder, although confessing to it, because he did not take and save images of the body as he did in other cases, but only of her foot. Whitney's body was discovered approximately a mile downstream from where Brudos claimed he had thrown it a month after his conviction. But what about his wife? Well, Brudos's wife divorced him after he was arrested. She also changed her name and the names of her children and relocated to an unidentified area. Darcy was actually accused of aiding and abetting her husband's crimes, although she was found not guilty of any murders. Jerry Brudos died in jail in 2006 after serving 37 years of his sentence. After his death, he was mostly forgotten, especially since more prolific serial killers had emerged since his 15-month murder spree. However, in 2017, his crimes were resurrected in Netflix's Mindhunter, 
which, by the way, if you haven't watched Mindhunter, you need to change that and you need to watch Mindhunter because Mindhunter is a phenomenal show. If you're a true crime fan, you know, then you need to be watching Mindhunter. It is, it is awesome. Awesome. I can't recommend it highly enough. Go and watch Mindhunter. So it's pretty fitting for his legacy that Jerry Brudos is now and will forever be known as the shoe fetish slayer. And that's a wrap on episode 7. I'm not sure if saying I hope you enjoyed is the right phrase, but I hope that you found it interesting at least. (laughs) Next week's episode will be a little bit different. It's not going to be a true crime case. Next week's episode will be all about medieval torture devices. So it'll be gruesome, it'll be gory, and it will just be downright macabre. In the meantime, follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at horrorhouse underscore pod, and also give the Facebook page a like at horrorhousepod. You can listen to Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre wherever you find your podcasts. And if you enjoy what I do, then please rate and review either on Apple Podcasts or on horrorhousetruecrime.com. It helps the podcasts and it also helps me too. And I know what I'm doing well and where I need to improve. So until next time, all that's left to say is stay spooky. <laughs>